This episode contains scenes some listeners may find upsetting. Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop. Episode 16, The Obsession I didn't think I'll ever win at cards against Kronos. The cat's an absolute shark. There's no been any more outings since the last time, so it's been a bit cabin fever-esque with all is stuck in the shop. I didn't think I have to spell it out, but reading Finn's relationship shows no sign of improving. Thankfully, a customer came in to fight off the boredom for another day. The lassie that came in was more timid than usual, and that's saying something. She opened the door about halfway, thought better of it, thought better of it again, and then finally pushed the door far enough that the bell went. Even before the door shut behind her, she looked as though she'd made a mistake. Eventually, she dragged her eyes through the floor to stare at each of us in turn, the familiar awkward silence stagnant in the air. Finn was the first to speak and asked if there was anything we could help her with. As soon as she reached into her handbag, I started to move away through the counter and in her direction. By the time she procured the card, I'd already told her to follow me up the stairs. Shuffling past Reed and Finn, giving them a wider berth than I thought was necessary, we ascended the stairs into the front room. As I was pouring the tea, I kept taking glances at this customer. No, usually they're nervous. They look around them in awe, fear, regret. They drink their tea and spill their secrets and problems. This customer was different and an absolute fidget. My granny Woody said she had ants in her pants. It was so noticeable, I was beginning to think that was why she'd come to the shop. The madam must have noticed it too, and after everyone had their tea, the same old question was said. What could we help with? I've started thinking about these words a lot. If Madame Norna can essentially hear people's thoughts when they're sitting on the sofa, then she must already know what their problem is before they answer. How fed up she must be asking that every time a customer comes in. Anyway, this lassie answered that she thought someone was following her. I gave her a peculiar look, my face contorting with the usual confusion. Another customer who appeared to fall in that should be telling the authorities category. But I'm no a complete amateur. There's always something else to these stories. My boss asked the lassie what had made her think she was being followed. According to her, she saw a particular woman everywhere she went. On the same train during her commute, in the same places she ate lunch, the same shop where she bought groceries, the same gym. Even at weekends, outside of her normal routine, there this woman was. I felt my hairs raise. It 
it's one of my nightmares, being stalked by someone. You just hear all of these horror stories. No wonder the lassie was fidgeting. She was afraid, and I didn't blame her. It still raised the issue of why she wasn't reporting Ollie this to the police. What did she think the madam could do? Was there a special amulet or candle that repelled stalkers? I expected either one of these things to be the next words out of my boss's mouth, and was surprised when instead she asked how long it had been going on for. With fearful tears welling up in her eyes, the lassie confessed that it had been two months, and that she didn't know what to do, as she was too scared to confront the woman. I waited for the madam to say something. For the first time in a while, I was unsure if I was going to have to head to the cabinet. I couldn't see how something like the things in there could help, but what did I know? Madam Norna eventually broke the unsettled silence by saying that before she could help, she'd need more information about this woman, and that if it was okay with the lassie, she'd send a few of us to follow her and try to find out more about this stalker. I didn't know who was more surprised, me or the lassie. That stalker could be a bloody psycho, and I was just supposed to follow her. I was beginning to wish more and more that this lassie had just gone to the polis. The madam's final question was to ask if this stalker had followed the lassie to the shop. The answer was a solemn nod. With instructions to return to the shop in two days, the lassie was told to wait downstairs and someone would follow her out. She nodded, but seemed reluctant to leave, as if the front room was the only safe place for this stalker, which I suppose it was. I felt her trepidation. I didn't want to leave either. Stalking a stalker hadn't been on my list of things to do that day. I reluctantly glanced to my boss, waiting for instructions. Unsurprisingly, she asked Reed and I to follow this lassie and try to get a look at her stalker. In the hopes I'd get myself off the hook, I asked why we couldn't just refer it to the police, since it's meant to be their job. All the madam said in reply was, all in good time. I groaned internally and attempted to plaster something close to agreement on my face, even though I'd rather go to the dentist than do this. I trudged down the stairs with heavy step, informed Reed, who took the news just as well as I had, and waited a few minutes after the lassie left before the both of us followed. The street wasn't particularly busy, nor that it mattered much, the brief description the lassie had given us before she left was so generic she could have been speaking about 90% of the female population. Dark hair and wearing a caramel-coloured jacket. We could just see the lassie up ahead, walking down the street, passing people on phones in the midst of conversations or having a quick lunch. But no one that we could see matched that description in front or behind us. Cars went by, lights changed for green to red, the clouds lingered heavily in the sky, promising rain later. The air smelled like car fumes 
and the occasional waft of baked bread for the millions of gregs we passed. It felt like we'd been walking for ages, with no one jumping out at us as being around for too long. I just happened to glance across the street, over the roofs of the parked cars, and noticed a caramel-coloured jacket, a woman with dark hair. And when I began to feel my eyes squinting, like I couldn't quite see her properly, I began to think we'd finally spotted the culprit. I nudged Reed and motioned across the street to the woman. He glanced across, then back at me, back across, and then scoffed derisively. He told me that just because the woman was one of us didn't mean she was the stalker. I assumed he meant she was, like Reed, a fox. He corrected me, saying that the term us was what all species that weren't completely human used to refer to themselves. Well, there's nothing like a bit of unity. He expanded by saying that it could just be a coincidence that the woman was like Reed. I'm starting to think there's no such thing as coincidences anymore. Rather than say this, I went for the more brutal path, pointing out that I didn't believe that all of the people like Reed were arseholes like him, and some of them might actually be nice people. I just didn't think the woman in the caramel coat fell into that category. He glared his hardest, eyes narrowed, vein in his temple protruding slightly, and then corrected me. He told me that the woman I'd pointed out actually was one of the nice ones. She was a watcher, and were probably the nicest creatures in the world. I'm pretty sure I've got my confused face down to a fine art now, and I let the silence linger between us. I didn't understand how he can still assume I know anything about these things. His glare lessened, replaced by the not nearly as satisfying, cocky, curvy as lip. I swear he does it on purpose. Reed explained that these watchers can sense people who've done wrong and are cursed to follow them round until it's been put right. Rather than creatures like Reed and Finn, these watchers descend from humans who were cursed. They lived in the murky area between creature and human. My pace began to slow as I digested all of this information. If these people were cursed to follow others around until something had been put right, then how were we supposed to help? More importantly, what had the customer done wrong? My only thoughts turned to the madam. Maybe if we brought this stalker back to the shop, she could be helped. I mean, my boss had said that all curses could be broken somehow. That was a fine theory, only how did we get a complete stranger to follow us back, especially to someone with a reputation like Madame Norna? Reed and I exchanged an uncharacteristic glance of agreement as we both crossed the road and approached the woman in the caramel coat. Each taking a side, we closed in on the stalker, 
who looked between us with a fear that was probably deserved. I told her we were from Madame Norna's shop and that she needed to go back with us. Almost instantly, her pace quickened, almost about to bolt away, but Reed caught her arm, his reflexes a lot quicker than mine, and pulled her back. When I looked at him, his eyes were a peculiar shade a yellow-green, and rather than round pupils, they had elongated into slits, similar in nature to a feline or fox. Thankfully, his eerie gaze wasn't fixed on me, but the woman. And after she saw the transformation, all signs of her sprinting aft disappeared. When we arrived back at the shop, Finn looked between us with what is becoming his typical reaction to our harebrained schemes. Like he can't quite decide whether banging our heads together will do more harm than good. The stalker was quick to make as much distance between herself and us as possible, and in an attempt to make it better, Reed assured her that we wouldn't kill her. I was close enough to pinch his arm as hard as I could, which earned me a high-pitched growl in return. Finn stepped in, as he always does, and asked the woman her name. After a moment's hesitant pause, she answered that it was Robin. The first person to use this name was Madame Norna as she appeared fay up the stairs, telling Robin that she should be more careful, as the person she was currently following had visited the shop earlier that morning. I expected there to be more, but unsurprisingly, there wasn't. Robin, after gaping at the madam in fearful awe for a few more seconds, stuttered out an apology, promising that she'd do better. That's where I got lost. Do better following the lassie. Was that really a solution to this problem? I said as much out loud, wondering if there was maybe a way to stop altogether, rather than just no getting caught. For her reaction, you'd have thought I'd suggested playing chicken on the train tracks. Outraged, she said of course she wasn't going to stop. The lassie had killed someone and had to pay for that crime. It was too late by the time I opened my mouth to stop it, and I ended up asking why that was her responsibility. Reed, under his breath, asked me if I already forgot what a watcher was. Admitting, heatedly, that I hadn't, I pointed out that no one who's gotten away with murder is suddenly going to admit to it. So, if the customer kept silent, then Robin would keep following her, and how would that help anyone? There was a heavy silence after my question, and I felt bad about saying anything. It's no like Robin could help it if, like Reed had said, she was someone who'd essentially been cursed. Naughty mention was what she was saying about the lassie true? Was she a murderer? Was that why she hadn't gone to the polis about her stalker? Eventually, the madam broke the silence by saying that the lassie who'd come into the shop for help was the cause of her own problem, but that didn't mean we weren't going to do something about it. My frustration with the problem was lacking understanding. We only had Robin's word for it that the customer was a murderer. 
Yet, her curse dictated that she had to follow those who'd done wrong until they put it right. I couldn't really appreciate how curses worked, especially ones which controlled your movements and actions. I mean, did Robin have a job if she had to relentlessly follow anyone who'd done wrong? How did she have a life outside of that? Did she even have one? The easiest thing would be breaking the curse. But Frey Whitreed had told me about said curse. If it hadn't been broken after generations, it was unlikely it would suddenly be broken new. The second thing after that would be getting the lassie to confess. Madame Norna was good at that. I'd seen her do it before. Gian similar instructions to Robin, as she had to the customer. She was to return to the shop in two days if she wanted help. Jump to two days later, and all four of us are waiting in the shop for the lassie to come in. When she did, in a similarly meek and anxious fashion as the first time, I couldn't help but feel it was an act. This lassie had apparently murdered someone, yet she was going around acting like a ghost was going to jump out at her. Is that what guilt does, do you think? Eat away at your confidence until you feel as though someone's going to expose your dirty wee secret if you stand too close to them? That the smelly murder is actually a hing? It was difficult to marry the version I saw and the version I'd been told was true. I'll admit, I was reluctant to have her behind me walking up the stairs. Madame Norna, ever the professional, sat opposite the customer with an expressionless face. It was a struggle to keep my neutral. The lassie, with an expected amount of hope, asked if the madam could help. The answer was a gentle shake of the heed. Instantly, the lassie moved forwards in her seat protesting that a pally hers said that my boss could help. I may have flinched at this outburst. Then Madame Norna asked the question I'd been thinking since the first time the lassie had told us about our problem. Why had she visited the shop instead of the polis? What frustration had been settling in her face crumpled as her eyes darted away? Her answer was that the polis would have taken ages to get rid of the stalker, if they could at all, and she wanted them gone new. That was a fair point. What with the limited power of the law on things like this, and the need for proofy harassment, it'd be difficult. But still, if it was bothering her as much as she'd claimed during her first visit, then wouldn't she be desperate for some official intervention by that point? What exactly did she think the madam could do? Snap her fingers and disappear the stalker? My boss nodded pensively, slowly, taking her time and letting the atmosphere settle into dreaded anticipation. Eventually, she confessed that there was one simple way to solve the problem. The lassie practically jumped out of her seat, she was so excited. And then the twist of the knife came when Madame Norna answered that her stalker would disappear if she admitted that she'd pushed her pal down the stairs. I feel like I need a soundboard for these moments, just to make them better. 
It's not the first time the madam has come out with these revelations, but it continues to be the highlight of my time in the shop. My boss has a talent for changing the atmosphere in the room, and after her announcement I could feel the chill nip at my fingertips. I've never seen anyone's face go peely-wally so fast before. No even during a night out after tequila shots. The lassie could barely speak. A quiet croak at the back of her throat as she tried to form or think of a reply. Madame Norna filled the silence by explaining that if she admitted to her crime, then her problem would literally disappear. The lassie jumped to her feet so quickly it gave me a heart attack, and I edged closer to the madam. Her face had transformed from ghost white to red with frustration or embarrassment or guilt. It was hard to tell. I noticed her entire body was shaken, tremors racking up and down her arms and rattling her shoulders. Through tightly gritted teeth, she bit out that she wouldn't admit to something she didn't do. I didn't believe her by this point. I didn't think either of us did, and I began to realise how horrible it must be to be in a place where everyone knows your deepest, darkest secret without you having to open your mouth. She must have been as scared of us as I was of her. It's made me think since, as these cases usually do. How many people do I walk past? In the street, in the club, the bars, the supermarket who have a dark secret, who've murdered someone, who've hurt someone, who've done some truly terrible things. How many of these people live normal lives? How many become the victims of something else? Like stalking? I know two wrongs didn't make a right. I found it hard to have sympathy for this lassie. But yet again, there's no innocence in this story. The lassie's face began to crack, the blush dying away, as her inner turmoil came to a heed. The shaking ceased, and the first words out of her mouth were a she deserved it that sent chills up my spine. The lassie claimed that we didn't understand. Her best friend had stolen her fiancé. What kind of pal would do that? So she'd pushed her down the stairs. Whether it had been in the heat of the moment or something planned was never mentioned. Know that it really mattered. I was practically gripping onto the madam's leg as this lassie, this murderer, towered over the both of us as she stood, calm as the sea and just as changeable. I searched her face, the pursed lips, the furrowed brow, even the shadowy tears in the bottom of her eyes, for remorse or guilt. I became more afraid when I didn't find either. I've felt scared of a customer before, nearly been attacked by a water spirit. But this lassie wasn't a creature. She was human. And what she'd done was to another human. Could the madam stop her with the same ease as she had the feature? I barely heard the footsteps on the stairs, and then out the corner of my eye, 
I noticed Finn lingering in the doorway, shoulders tense and a stony expression cast on his face. With just the right amount of curtness, Madame Norna instructed him to escort the lassie out of the shop. Huffing that there was no need, she stormed past Finn and Reed who was coming up the stairs to see what was going on. And a few seconds later, we all heard the violent chime of the bell and slam as the door closed behind her. We a throat as dry as sandpaper. I asked if we shouldn't call the police now. Reed was the one to answer me, pointing out that it wasn't like we had any evidence. I hated that he was right. Shaken, I returned to the shop and pretended to busy myself with one thing or the other. No able to get that lassie out of my head. Murder, death, the polis. They all used to be abstract things. They existed in a different part of the world. One that never intersected with mine. Yet knew there'd been a few customers who'd done bad things. Taken someone else's life. And then they just got on with theirs. Like nothing had happened. I used to think humans were hardwired to feel guilt at hurting someone else, intentional or no. Obviously there are outliers, occasional psychopaths or sociopaths that do terrible things. But they were few and far between. Now it feels like that wall has thinned. The people I brush shoulders with, that I pass on the street every day, could be murderers. And the scarier thing was that some of them didn't even care. How could something so small as a fiancé cause you to take another's life? People get cheated on all the time. I mean, it happened to Michelle just last year. And she didn't turn all homicidal. A part of me wished it was something to do with the shop. A possession by a dark entity. A spirit. A cursed object that found its way into her possessions. Or a curse. I think I'd be able to sleep better if that was the case. A few hours after the lassie left, Robin came back. Madame Norna was honest, as always, and admitted that she thought the lassie would be unlikely to confess to her crimes. Instead, she gave Robin a coin. No dissimilar to one of the ones in the box downstairs full of old halfpennies and farthings. The madam said that when Robin found herself following someone after knowing they'd done wrong and she didn't want to, then she could rub the coin between her hands and she'd be free. The curse couldn't be broken by the madam, but it could be postponed in certain cases. I expected Robin to be jumping with joy. She'd been gaining a way out after all of this following people round in the hopes they'd confess their sins. But all she did was nod in understanding. We a look on her face that said she'd very little intention of using it. This episode contains some scenes... What? <laughs> it contains some scenes. <laughs> Let's fucking hope so. <sighs> and after everyone had their tea, the same old question was at, was shit. The same old question was forgotten about. On the same dra- drain? On the same drain, because that's what you take to work. Yet, her cuss, cuss, her cuss, really? I can't talk anymore. 
and then out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a noticed. Thank you for listening to episode 16 of The Antique Shop. Episode 17 will be released in a few weeks' time. This episode and the events in it are all completely fictional, but if you have ever been the victim of stalking or harassment, please report the culprit to the relevant authorities to your country. Thank you for listening and I hope you tune in next time.